Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. It's that holiday time of the year, and it's also the start of the NBA season. So what better way to spend the holidays than hanging out with my family? Well, not my family, but I I adopted a family for this one, and I'm talking about the Bajani family. Joining me on the line are uh, the Bajani brothers, veteran sports radio 610 host Sean Bajani and his brother Ali, who covers the Rockets for The Athletic. And uh, Sean, have you ever fired the basketball at your brother during a pickup game? No, he hasn't. He hasn't pissed me off that much, but uh, I won't rule it out like in the future. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, we, you know. There's a fun story. We actually played against Calvin Murphy. It was me and Sean versus Calvin yeah. Murphy and his son, and we beat Calvin Murphy. So that's our uh, dynamic duo uh, kind of uh, added when it comes to pickup basketball. And you have the video proof of that, by, by the way, which I need. Uh, for uh, just my entertainment purposes, because nobody's yeah. going to believe me. Nobody ever does believe me when I tell them every once in a while. <laughs> I'll, like I, I took Calvin Murphy to the hole, and then the very next possession, he jade me up, like hit a seventeen footer in my face. <laughs> so I need video evidence of that. Yeah, I got, I got to go back in, in my archives of my Galaxy Android phone and find that. But yeah, that was that was a <laughs> great day. That was a great moment. <laughs> Yes, it was. Nobody Jay Sean tated uh, Calvin Murphy uh, on the pickup game or anything like that, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. We were all cordial. No, yeah, but, you know, Calvin was talking a little smack. I mean, if that he game would have drawn on a little bit, it probably would have gotten to that point. <laughs> I mean, we, we beat him so bad that the game ended much earlier than we thought it would. So uh, that's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> he rolls out of bed, though, hitting 18-footers, right? That's pretty much. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. That's what I say. Like if the Rockets, if the Rockets some way, somehow swung a deal with the Philadelphia 76ers and got Ben Simmons, I guarantee you the first guy or one of the first people at the very least that uh, is talking with Ben Simmons is Calvin Murphy. And he's going to teach him how to shoot. You led me right into that because the main reason I want to talk to you is to look at some of these potential hardened trade packages, because frankly, the next four or five years of the Rockets franchise basically is in the balance with, with whatever Rafael Stone does here and let me start off by asking you guys which teams are in the mix i'll, I'll give you my list and ali I, I know you're uh you know you're doing this stuff for the athletics so I, I there might be somebody i'm forgetting so just tell me if if i've got everybody on the list but i've got philly with ben simmons yeah. the lead dog right now the nets with karis lavert the raptors with siakam the celtics with uh, jalen brown nuggets with michael porter and the heat with tyler hero i know some of those teams are saying hey we're out of this or such and such is off the table to which I say, whatever. Is that your list? Yeah, so that that is my list um, as well. Um, we just had word come out today through reports that Jamal Murray will not be in the package. And if Jamal War- Murray was in the package, I think based on everything and all the teams you mentioned, all those players you would have said, I think the Rockets would have definitely wanted that Jamal Murray package. Um, but otherwise, I mean, you know, it's going to come down to which, which of those young players the Rockets really want to build around or if they really want to just – you know, build up a tool of assets they can use to cash in on a start later on. You know, this might be a controversial opinion, but I frankly don't care much about these first round picks, you know, how many or which ones the Rockets get, because, you know, it's obvious the GMs care about their first round picks as much as they care about picking up a penny that they dropped. If you're, you know, if you're handing Harden to a team, (laughs) you're likely giving that team 50 wins and a playoff berth for the foreseeable future. And, Sean, I believe this deal will be judged by the be- either the best player you get 
or if the players are pretty equal, the best combo of players, or maybe even the high-end player with the best contract. I mean, how, how do you look at, you know, if you're the Rockets, what's the most important thing for you? I think exactly what the Rockets are asking for. And, you know, it seems to be a bit exorbitant, you know, uh, from all the reports you read. But, I mean, look, you want another cornerstone piece in return for a generational talent in James Harden. That's what you should be getting. Um, and it's gotten to a point now, obviously, you guys know the reports over the course of the last 24 hours, Harden firing a basketball at his teammate, uh, you know, Tate, and, you know, maybe emotions boiling over a little bit. Like, these things happen but it's exacerbated because of the situation. It's almost to the point right now where I think, you know, fans in the media, they just want that breath of fresh air. They can't wait until the Rockets solve this dilemma with James Harden. But I think it's in the Rockets' best interest to be very patient, you know, be comfortable with being uncomfortable with this situation. You've got to milk everything you possibly can out of this James Harden saga right, right now for the betterment of the organization. And if that leads into late February, early March, right up to the trade deadline, I don't think there's an exact date yet, then that's what you have to do. But the state of this franchise, the future of it, you know, lies in the balance and it all comes down to what they're able to do with James Harden. You need another cornerstone piece, some young talent and some draft capital to move forward from this. That's what one of the best players in the league deserves, what you deserve to get in exchange for a guy like that. So I, I think the Rockets just need to be very, very patient, and I think they will be. You know, you know, one thing that Sean mentioned that's really important to point out is that they need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think a great example of that is if all this occurred and they just traded him initially when he asked for it, let's look at where they were then as a team and in terms of as a league and where we are now. As a league now, we have multiple young stars who have now signed their contract extensions off their rookie deals. And so they're not even eligible to be traded for a while, right? That limits the amount of the kind of draft assets you can use or amount of player assets you can use in those potential deals, number one. Number two, you're able to kind of take a better look at some of these players and see, hey, you know what? Am I really interested in going for this, right? And I think this goes down to, I think, something you said, Robert, about you know, it's not, it doesn't matter really, but it doesn't really matter about the draft picks because once you get to a point when you're playing in the season, as closer and closer you get to a draft, and once that player is selected, it doesn't, it, it, the potential, it, it's like when you buy a car. As soon as you get off the lot, the value of it decreases exponentially. And so it's the same thing here. I think we're going to start seeing there isn't going to be a happy medium for them. I have been saying all along that he starts the season here. I'm going to go out and say I think he finishes the season here as well in the Houston Rockets jersey. If he does get traded before the trade deadline, it's going to have to be something that really wows the front office. The front office will not bust to trade him. Even this team that they've surrounded him uh, with all this talent that they have here with DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Wood, John Wall, a lot of great you know, just role players to kind of just uh, infuse some youth and athleticism with this team. I think they, they're really confident that that can hopefully just swing James to be able to stay out the season, play well, and, and take their chances in the playoffs. But I, I, I'm going to go out of there and say I think he does finish the season here, and we'll see what happens once the season is unless they head towards the draft. Wow. That's strong. Well, I, I, I'm going to say no way because these things, you know, there's always a lot of tough talk by the team that's got the player. Sean, and you've seen this a, a zillion times, and then when push comes to shove – you know, two weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks later, 
the guy's gone. It, it's 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 all a little bit of posturing, and and I, I know you you Sean or you feel the same way I do. Like I, I'm ready to move on from James. I mean, I just feel like we're spinning wheels. I, I feel like the, the situation with James is too far down. It, the best thing that could happen to him is go to a, a team where he is lower on the totem pole than where he controls everything with the Rockets. Cause I don't think he wants to be the guy in Houston. That's all of a sudden can't call the shots. Can't say when the team plane is taken off or whatever. And he's, he's in for a rude awakening, but at the same time, I think he kind of expects that. Don't you? I, I, I think he expects to go somewhere and not have near the same type of, you know, quote unquote power that he has here. But you have to understand the situation that he came into when he became a Houston Rocket eight, nine years ago. I mean, this was a team that, you know, forget about the team for a second, but, you know, like maybe the organization as well had this mindset or concern as much as the media and the fan base did. Like, man, are you ever going to be able to get another real star here in Houston? And how are you going to do it? And I think if you put a gun to Daryl Morey's head and, you know, give him truth serum, I think he would even tell you that there's no way that he foresaw James Harden becoming the, the superpower that he's become. Um, but there was the hope that there was, you know, a lot of promise there. They gave him a lot of control. And over the years, um, it grew and grew and grew as his stardom and as his skills did as well. Um, I think wherever he goes, Brooklyn, whether it be Philadelphia, whether it be, gosh, I, you name a team right now. I mean, I don't think we really have any idea. Sometimes these things just blossom out of nowhere. Um, but regardless, he's not going to have the same type of power unless it's a similar situation. And I don't really see that many similar situations around the league um, that are comparable to the Rockets situation eight, nine years ago. Um, it, it's at a point Look, where I had to check my fandom, right? I, I, I was ready to get James Harden out of here. I said, send him to the worst team in the league. Whatever it takes, just get him out of here. The Rockets organization needs a breath of fresh air. But as you step back, you need to do what's absolutely best for the organization and for the talent that Rafael Stone and his team have accumulated under new head coach um, Steven Silas. I'm excited about it. And I got excited about it after hearing James Harden's comments in this press conference a, a couple of days ago or yesterday, I think it was, as he was so positive about his teammates. But then, you know, stealing the headlines is, well, the tip that he and Deshaun Tate had in a practice. And, well, there have been other heated exchanges against uh, Harden and teammates in practice. So what? That happens. Guess what happened when Chris that, Paul first became yeah, Rocket? Yeah. I, I do want to make, I want to point that out as emphasis. That's very, very common, not just with the Rockets, not just with James Harden, but across right. the NBA. I, I just really want to make that point clear. This whole like story about James Harden and, and Jay Shante. I mean, there's many stories like that with James Harden and other teammates, but you know what happens? They work it out because they want to win. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing here. If you're looking at the perspective that, oh, James Harden wants to get out of here, okay, that's the way you're looking at it. I'm looking at it in a way where James Harden's like, you know what? We have a collection of young talent, a lot of good pieces here. I want to help motivate them to be successful. So there's do, there's multiple ways you can look at it. As long as he's been here and talking to Silas in press conferences and just talking to those around the team, Harden has been committed. He's not talking about trades or anything. When he's around his teammates, he's fully committed to what the product is on the floor. And he's making sure his teammates are in right positions to be successful. If you're a Rockets fan, and you're, you're the front office, as long as until the, the trade comes about or whatever happens, 
you can at least know that James is committed to making sure that him and his team or whatever, his current team at least, is in good position to be successful. When he was asked, as Sean mentioned to you a few days ago, about what his goals are for the Rockets as a, as a team, he says, I want my team to finish with the home court advantage in the playoffs. I want my team to be a top three seed. I mean, right. y- yes, you know, you could take that with a grain of salt, but at the same time, like, I, I don't think he, he is saying those things out of just abundance, uh, just, just out, out of, you know, out of whack. I think he truly does mean it. If he knows he has to stay here, he wants to make sure this team, he can put in as much effort as he possibly needs to ensure as a leader of this team as well, that this team will be successful. I think it's about timing. Let me just make a quick point here. And I hate to always, you know, cross sport reference a bit, but, you know, go back a few weeks ago to the Texans performance against the Chicago bears. Everybody was saying this team quit. Well, you know, look, you had to show up to do that. Um, And they clearly didn't show up that day, but I think what they've been able to do over the last couple of weeks and look another close loss this past weekend against the Indianapolis Colts is, you know, you've got some consummate professionals and I'll use Deshaun Watson as the prime example here. He elevated his team. He elevated his game and they went out there and played and, and, and tried to win that game. And what felt for those guys on the field, like a playoff atmosphere um, this past Sunday. And I think when you listen to James Harden speak the other day, it's an understanding that, look, the season begins in a couple of days. It's go time. And the Rockets had an opportunity to make amends and to, you know, find a solution here. They couldn't do it. They didn't do it. I understand that. Now it's time for me to be a professional. I've got a team to lead. And I'm going to be a part of this team when the season begins. So we've got to make the very best of it. I have to go win games. Just like the Houston Texans, it's a lost season. They're not going anywhere. It's a losing season. They're going to be 6-10, and 4-12, and 12, or 5-11, and 11, one of those three. And it's your job to play the very best ball you possibly can because somebody is always watching. Hell, everybody's watching. They want to know what they're getting in return whenever they're going to get it in return. And whoever's looking to get James Harden wants to be damn sure that they're going to get a professional. When it's go time, he's going to be there, step up, whether it be fresh off of an airplane from Las Vegas in a strip club, whether it be fresh off of a basketball court. They have to know that that guy's ready to go. And I think that's what James was trying to say the other day. But do you believe in your heart that James Harden is going to be any more clutch in the playoffs this year than he's ever been? Is going to be any more of a professional with the Rockets than he's ever been. I mean, is that stuff going to, because if that doesn't change, then and if you're a Rockets fan, you like getting 50 wins, being the, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth seed or whatever, and then losing in the second round, then that's what, that's what they're going to do. But you know, if, if, unless James Harden changes, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to address a few points. And I think that's probably the biggest misconception that exists on James Harden. Yes. He has had many duds in the playoffs. But to say that he hasn't achieved playoff success, I mean, there was there was a um, there was a video I saw on Twitter a few days ago where people were comparing has Daniel Lillard achieved more playoff success than James Harden, and I audibly laughed out loud. I mean, are you kidding me? A guy a guy like James Harden who's been to the Western Conference Finals twice, who's been consistently, especially the last few years, getting into the second round, you're going to compare that to Daniel Lillard, who's had his share of playoff failures as well. You obviously take the better player and somebody who puts his team in a better position to be successful. The whole clutch aspect, all these different things, James needs to deliver. 
Well, let's understand the context where he's been in, right? If we look at, especially the last few seasons, because it's all about what you what you uh, can remember lately. Let's look at that Western Conference Finals uh, year. They lost Chris Paul. And then when everything went down, the way teams were targeting James, James showed up in game six. James showed up in game seven. It's because Chris Paul wasn't there and other teams, other players missed shots. They weren't able to be successful. Let's go the following year. That all of that game five in Golden State where Kevin Durant went down, the Rockets still lost. That's not only on James, but that's on Chris Paul as well. I actually wrote a whole story about that fourth quarter down the stretch when people were like, oh, James, you know, disappeared. Well, actually, there's different things that happened to kind of ensure that loss happened for the Rockets. And I do, bl- I do indeed blame game six on James Harden, Chris Paul, but, but I will say that the, the, the Warriors also went supernova, um, especially in those last few minutes with Curry. Let's look at this last year and this, this past season in the bubble. James Harden's being double teamed every single possession, yet he scores 30 plus points. His teammates, Russell Westbrook, especially with the adjustments that the coach D'Antoni and the Rockets tried to make, it wasn't successful. So I, I wouldn't go off and say that James hasn't been clutch. I think he's done what he can. It's also up to who they pair him with and who they pair him around with. And I think that I think that's what's caused him to understand, hey, you know what? Maybe I can't win here. Maybe I need to go somewhere else where I don't have to be the number one guy at every single point of the offense, which he has been since Chris Paul's injury in Miami a few seasons, about two years ago. And and since then, he's gone on this isolation tear. And that's not because out of, uh, uh, of just he wants to do it. It's also out of necessity. Once he got good at it, he saw, hey, you know what? I need, I need to elevate my team. I need to elevate my game. I need to ensure that other ball handlers around me t- can also do the same thing. And we just haven't seen that consistency from the second start. That's the thing, ball? though. Yeah. I, I don't mean to interrupt. I think that's the thing is his style of play. And when people – look, we're all prisoners of the moment to some degree. You know, we, we all have recency bias. And I think Harden, you know – a lot of times does rightfully catch a lot of criticism because of the way that he plays. And that is maybe at times the misnomer of him being, you know, quote unquote, not clutch in the playoffs. But I think that largely boils down to his style of play. And I think that's the major question is when or if Harden does move on somewhere else, whether it be Philadelphia or Brooklyn or whoever, chances are he's going to be playing with another legitimate number one and maybe even arguably uh, two legitimate guys that could be a number one alongside him. Can he adjust his game and make that fit, whether it be in Brooklyn or Philadelphia or wherever? Can he make it fit? Because he clearly could not make that work. You know, look, I think minus Chris Paul's hamstring a few years ago, they do win that series against the Warriors. They're probably going to beat LeBron James and Cavs in the finals, but you know, we'll never know. I mean, it's over. And Things were so tumultuous, you know, between those two guys. And, you know, I think the Rockets were a little bit weary of, you know, continuing with a massive deal with Chris Paul and the injury risk with him for the foreseeable future. They decided to cut bait. So we'll never know there. But that is the question. Can Harden adjust for the betterment of the team? Can he play differently? And we're going to see it at least for the first you know, few weeks, maybe just a few months of this NBA season with the addition of uh, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and the way that Steven Silas wants to play. The the playoff clutch thing, you know, and I understand what Sean's saying is, you know, the style of play and maybe it was it's set up poorly for him the way Dan Tony and the previous coaches have done it. But, you know, pr- prior to this last year, and I, I didn't average in the, the this past year's playoff numbers 
in, but for a five-year period, he was shooting 25% during fourth quarters from three-point range. He has had turnovers in key situations, even against a Golden State team where Durant goes out you know, a couple of years ago, and he's turning the ball over and disappearing in the fourth quarter, and there's no Durant at that point. And this wasn't the Golden State team of, you know, the, those championship teams, and, and you lose Durant, and, and he has been poor when it counted over and over again in the playoffs. You can probably cite one or two, but we know what happened against the Spurs a few years ago. We know what's happened in, in big situations against Golden State, and that's great that he's doing things against Utah or Oklahoma City, but I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm watching these games where the heat is at its biggest against the best teams, and he disappears. And I, I, I don't really have anything to say in terms of, you know, defending those performances. I completely agree. He did not show up. But I do think, as Sean said, I think a change of scenery can help, especially if he plays multiple number ones. Here he had the ball literally every single shot or part of the possession. That's because the offense was designed around it in terms of the simplicity within Mike D'Antoni's offense. It's because of the way the ball handling responsibilities were set up and how they staggered lineups. I'm interested to see if Silas is going to change some of those things. We saw a little bit of a pattern in the, in the last few preseason games that James Harden played of him, not just giving up the ball, but giving up the ball and moving and relocating to keep that five-out structure in place. You know, setting screens, doing the little things, being more aggressive and engaged. I'm eager to see if that's going to be something that he continues throughout the season and if he can pace himself effectively, especially to start the game. I think those playoff games you mentioned, the biggest thing for him is he needs to learn that it's, it's okay to not give your 110% in the first and second quarters or early on in the series, it's more important to save your energy and rest for that last you know, part of the game. I think that's something he's, he's struggled with throughout his career. And let's see if he can, can if he's learned from that enough or if he's learned, learned from that, especially after his Lakers series, to propel him as he goes with the Rockets this next part of his career or wherever he is. But he's had help too. You know, he's had help with Chris Paul. He has help, you know, theoretically, you know, uh, with health clearly being a concern here with John Wall. He's got great help. I, I think you make a great point, though, Ali. I mean, if you want to see just how much, you know, James Harden is maybe willing to adapt and change his game to the way Steven Silas wants to play with this athletic group that the Rockets have right now, pull up the Christian Wood highlight video from this preseason. My God, the last game where those two guys, they looked as in sync as ever. They looked like they've been playing together for years. It was fantastic to see James Harden set Christian Wood up, going to the rack, on the perimeter, and like you said, relocating if, in fact, a shot wasn't there for Christian, which more times than not the other night, it certainly was. They look good together. That's the promise where it's like, man, it's so damn hard to root for this guy right now if you're a fan, if you're in the media, you know, whoever. But you do see that flash, that potential. And you kind of want to see it play out. And you just hope that James Harden buys in for however long he's here in the Houston Rockets uniform. Let me just pretend like there is going to be a trade because I still feel like that's going to happen uh, by before the trade deadline. And, and I want to ask you guys, which of the high-end names mentioned would you want the most based either on ability, potential, contract, uh, Ben Simmons, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brown, Michael Porter, or Tyler Hero? You want to start off, Ali? If I had to pick, I guess, my top two in that, I definitely go with Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown. I am much higher on Jalen Brown than others are, uh, but I think if you list just those names, for me, I would pick Ben Simmons or every single one of them. 
He's he may not be the best shooter out there. He may not necessarily take shots uh, from the perimeter. Although we did see a few shot attempts from three in the preseason, but even then, he's an elite defensive player. Somebody who I believe will be in contention or can win a uh, defensive player of the year this year. I think that he's somebody who's an elite shot creator, elite pass, probably one of the best three passers in the league right now. I mean, he's just phenomenal, and I, I think if you pair him up here and you allow him to play to his strengths, which or defensively, playmaking, shot creating, you can have four other shooters around him, which this team does, especially in five out, and allow him to handle the basketball and score effectively around the rim or find his teammates for scores. I think he would fit really well in in Kosas' offense, and that's somebody, based off the list of names you gave me, I think he could be the most successful here uh, in the pairing with whoever they have on the roster. Uh, That's really well said. I can't disagree really with any of that. Um, I think, you know, it, it's a great question. I just think it, it, it's it's almost impossible to know right now. Again, I kind of go back to that breath of fresh air because, you know, wherever you're looking, if it's Porter, Hero, Simmons, or Brown, you know, the, the, the aura, you know, if you will, uh, the chemistry, wherever they're at, it's nowhere near on the James Harden level in those destinations as it is here in Houston. Those are all, you know, for the most part, young ascending players. I mean, we saw Jalen Brown burst out of the scene a few years ago in the postseason, um, you know, when he averaged 18, 19, 20 points per game on the Celtics run in the playoffs. Ben Simmons is a tremendous talent. You know, hey, look, is he the shooter everybody wants him to be? No, not yet, but, you know, what is he, 25 years old at this point? A lot of people want to say you kind of are who, you are at that point in time but I think you can always if you're an athlete you can adapt and you can get better at a craft if you really work at it in the system that allows you to optimize that skill set Tyler Hero look he's a tremendous player um you know love the guy love seeing him make a deep playoff run love seeing him be the youngest player ever to play or start in the NBA finals that's tremendous but in terms of the sample size you know you just don't know what a guy can ever really turn into it's kind of like you know, a really good college quarterback, when they go number one, I'm kind of referring to Dexter Lawrence now, uh, you know, like with Clemson. Man, is he going to go to freaking the New York Jets? He's a tremendous talent, but I mean, my gosh, it's the Jets, um, you know, M.O. to just screw up every great bit of talent they get. It's kind of like right place, right time, right system, right? I don't know what Hero's going to be like here outside of, um, you know, where he's at right now in Porter. I think he's a great player to me. I've seen a lot of him. I think he could fit a lot of places, but I I don't know that that does it for me when you're talking about replacing a generational talent like James Harden. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I like some of the proven guys like a Ben Simmons and a Jalen Brown. I see the ascension. I see the potential. I see what you could build around those guys. So I'd have to probably go Simmons one and Jalen Brown two. Yeah. I I just, I'm not as big of, fan of Simmons as you guys because for me I I think if you have one of your best players in a playoff situation can't make a shot he does not have a go-to shot he does not have a jump shot and and then I can't I I just don't see that type of player winning a championship and and here's the deal with Ben Simmons for me he's 25 years old or or mid-20s right now and you know he started as a professional player or as a college player and then a professional player as a ball handler 
and he didn't have a shot outside of five feet. That That's my problem is this is a guy that should have known seven years ago that I need to come up with the go-to shot that's further than five feet out. And I, I just, I'm not real enthused about the leadership capabilities of a Ben Simmons. There's there's just a lot of stuff about him I don't like. And, and I see somebody like a Pascal Siakam is the exact opposite. He's made himself into a better three-point shooter. He's made himself into a all-star play. You see the improvement from him year to year. And and same with the Jalen Brown. Those guys are already really good outside shooters. I think those guys have the potential to be better and they've showed the potential to be better and their length and athleticism and their ability to be two-way players, I think is just so much more valuable than what a Ben Simmons can do just on the one side. And I get that he can pass, but are you immediately trading John Wall? Because I don't like Simmons and Wall playing together. Yeah, you can go, oh, well, we can trade John Wall down the line. But if you had a Siakam or a Jalen Brown to the, to a, to the Rockets right now with some of the talent that they've got and, and in a package that might include with, you know, Brown, you might get Marcus Smart or with Toronto and Siakam, you could get An- Ananobi or Norman Powell, who I love both of those guys, and they're both knockdown three-point shooters, and Smart's made himself into a great, great three-point shooter. All those guys can play defense. All of a sudden, you know, there is no, hey, we're rebuilding. We're just reloading. Is that fair on Simmons? Do you do you guys just totally disagree on, on, on that? I can't. I can't disagree on Simmons. I, you look, it just the numbers don't lie. But what I am, I think, hopeful for, whether it's here or if he stays in Philadelphia or wherever Simmons goes, if he goes anywhere, I just think, you know, if you go back to his rookie year, like, yes, we saw him raw. You know, we saw him as a developing player. We saw him as a very durable player. He took more chances, more shot attempts his rookie season than he has almost in any of the last two years from beyond 10 feet. If you go look at those numbers, and I just, I, I'm almost, if that's the way Philadelphia just was resigned to have him play, I think it's a fair question. Did they maybe stunt his growth over the course of the last couple of seasons? And could that be adjusted? Could that be repaired, amended? However you want to say it, whether it be here, whether it be elsewhere, can they continue to develop him as a more versatile score? I, I look at Clint Capella, you know, Robert, and just look, all athletes are different. Not everybody's really the same, but look, if you work hard enough, man, and you have the team that's willing to just put everything into you, like the Rockets did Clint Capella, he improved a facet of his game every year that he was here and look he developed a nice little hook shot in the lane but the rockets didn't use that they didn't want to utilize that way they wanted to just beat it like a dead horse um you know pick and roll pick and roll pick and roll and just have him be kind of like a garbage guy and a rebound guy um which is fine and it worked for a time and i'd still love to have him here but i thought the rockets at the end of the day because they wanted to tender their game more to what james wanted to do hindered his continued growth I think that's what the Sixers have done maybe with Ben Simmons. I think he's a great player. Um, the numbers don't lie. He's, it's about effectiveness too, right? It's about making your team better. I think he makes the Rockets better. Does he have the pieces currently on this team to do that? I don't know. But in terms of moving John Wall, to me, he's at a point in time now where he's got to perform. You know, Coming off of the Achilles injury that he is, he's got to perform before I think you can move on from him. It's hard to match those kinds of contracts. So it's going to be interesting to see. 
Yeah, and just one quick other point on Ben Simmons. Yeah, Silas has done a great job throughout his career, not just as a coach or assistant coach or whatever the case may be, but he's been in player development for many years. He's worked with a lot of great players over his time. He's worked with LeBron. Um, he's worked with Luka Doncic very exclusively. And this rise of Luka Doncic is very, very much related to how much Steven Silas has worked with him to become a three-level scorer. I think if you bring in a guy like Ben Simmons here, you let him work with Silas within the offense and let him – um, play to Ben Simmons' strengths. I mean, that's that's a great get for for a young head coach to be able to work with a young player like that who's still growing, still has all the athleticism, has all the tools to be able to become more versatile. So I think from that perspective, if, if you are, are are allowed to kind of um, sculpt Ben Simmons into what you want him to be for the future of the NBA, there's still plenty of time to make that change, and Stephen Sal is a perfect coach to do that. Good point. What do you think, Ali? Have you looked at Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thibel, or who who do you think comes with Ben Simmons? Because you can't do the Simmons Harden straight up; They're, they'd have to add a, a a guy or two for contracts. Even with the contract, I think it's going to come down to this is at least what I've been uh, what, I, what I've understood about what the trades are going to be like. They want a young cornerstone franchise player, which we've discussed. They want another young player that they can kind of develop alongside that franchise cornerstone, and they want a bunch of picks and pick swaps. To me, it's going to come down to which one of those young guys on that roster is exactly what Raphael Stone wants in his team. We've seen a pattern, especially this offseason, when guys are bringing in lengthy, athletic guys who can play versatile positions and are great point of attack defenders and have the light necessary to be able to be good defenders. And, 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 you know, we're seeing that, those wings. So it would not surprise me if whoever the best wing is in terms of young players on that team Probably going to be Matisse Heibel, based on what I'm saying right now, is likely going to be in that package as well. But I think that's the kind of thing we have to think about is what does Raphael Stone want in his roster construction? But we're seeing a pattern initially. It'll probably take another season or two for us to really understand how he wants to construct that roster for the future of the, in the NBA. But as of right now, I think in terms of the blueprint that we do have, it's a lengthy wing, athletic um, quickness, somebody who can shoot the basketball, which Heibel is improving upon. Um, or, or, you know, in, in his young career. So I, I, I would probably say five-bold if you're giving me a choice between him and Maxi. I think it was your colleague a couple of days ago, Ali, uh, Kelly Iko, who said this too. You know, Daryl Morey's prone to say things and then do the other, but he's basically taken Simmons off of the table that he's not willing to trade him. I would ask a similar question on behalf of the Philadelphia 76ers as well is, you know, how does Daryl Morey wish to shape that roster up there? You know, um, would he, does he really want, is that something that he's really pining for is a reunion with James Harden at the cost of, you know, so many good young players, including Ben Simmons and Bible. The one thing we know about Daryl Morey is nobody's off the table. <laughs> nobody's off the table. Right, right. That, yeah, I mean, that was the point that Kelly made the other day, and I think it's absolutely right. But the question I'm asking is, you know, is, how does Daryl Morey see the roster shaping up in Philadelphia, especially with everything that's going on right now as James has become, you know, so much more, like everything he does is magnified. I mean, does, does he want to bring that to Philadelphia? Yeah, the one thing Ali, I'll point out is that one of these guys better be uh, offered to the Rockets because – we're hearing, well, Porter's off the table. Ben Simmons is off the table. Uh, Tyler Hero's off the table. Some, Hero, yeah. Somebody's, somebody's got to be on the table or the Rockets don't have any 
you know, they could say, well, we've got all the power because we got James Harden, who's a top three MVP candidate. But if somebody doesn't offer you something, then nobody's fighting with you for this guy. And then you're back to, you know, the Brooklyn potpourri of, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert and Torian Prince and Jared Allen or whatever, you know, whatever garbage group of guys that they, and no offense to Karis LeVert because I like him a lot, but you know, it's not, it's, it's not the same as the, those other, those other guys that we've mentioned. Or you can think about it from this way. The Rockets have multiple draft picks in this year's upcoming draft and the following year's draft to be able to use in trades to land possibly a third star. They have three draft picks they can use in trades right now in terms of first rounders. That's three. That's, that's a lot of picks. You can bring in a serviceable number two guy based off of what's going on around the league. The league changes on a daily basis. Players become available. I wouldn't just say that, you know what, that if they can't find anybody, you know, it's 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 like they're going to whatever poo-poo platter that exists. But I, I do think that there is a possibility if they stay patient, which they have been, and they're going to continue to do so until they find the right possible deal. Though, if James is playing well, they're seeing his team be successful, Stone and Fertitta will not hesitate to, you know, pull that trigger and bring in a guy to help their chances of winning a title. Yeah, those first-round picks, though, that they've got, none of them are lottery picks. They're all, almost all of them are lottery-protected as long as they are, and then they become second-round picks. If you know, if they get anywhere close to like, you know, the lottery, except for maybe the, I think the Detroit, no, the the uh, the Wizards pick down the road, that that one does. But the rest of them, it's like you're you're probably waiting it out. And I mean, with Detroit, you have no idea. And, and that Portland pick, I don't I don't know how uh, the protections are, but I know if it's a lottery pick this year, that it, that d- doesn't uh, go forward. It's it's uh, lottery protected at least the first year and. You know, I, I would assume that Portland's going to make the playoffs, so that's going to be, you know, mid-first-round pick. I don't know if that gets anybody all that excited. I mean, like I said, these first-round picks, these I, I just think they're not worth anything anymore to any... I mean, when, when you're giving up five first-round picks and swaps for a slightly better-than-mediocre point guard and Drew Holiday, I, I just don't... What are these first-round picks worth to any of these general managers anymore? Assets. I mean... You saw it firsthand how Daryl Morey used those, you know, during his time here, um, you know, as as willingly as he was to get rid of them. Somebody wanted them. And now the Rockets are trying to accumulate some of those back, um, you know, for um, for I, I, I think, you know, some draft capital in which they might be able to use to swing to get a player that they might want in the future. And Ali said, you know, the NBA is constantly changing I and mean, it is not idle this day and age by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I just think when you have a full arsenal, it is beneficiary for your organization to do that. And, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, we see here in the next few years, teams start to be a little less willy-nilly with those picks. Maybe. I mean, it just seems like it's going in the other direction right now. I, I got a question for Ali about Christian Wood. Is he the best pick-and-roll player that James Harden can play with of the, all the guys that all the teams that he would be going to, is he going to find anybody that's a better pick and roll player uh, in Miami or um, say Philadelphia or Toronto than, than Christian Wood? He's, and he's the best player easily pick and roll wise that, that he's ever had with the Rockets, right? Oof. I wouldn't go out and say that just yet. I, I think in terms of five out and spacing, having the pick and pop threat, he may be in that category. But um, in terms of the guys he can play with, I mean, you're talking about Joel Embiid. You're talking about, you know, uh, in, in Miami, who I think is the best out of all the, all the teams you mentioned, uh, Bam Abadayo. And if we're, if we're going to include Denver in this conversation, 
a Harden Jokic pick and roll would probably be the deadliest pick and roll we've seen in the NBA since maybe LeBron and AD, but I would go back and just say Curry and KD. I mean, when you run that pick and roll, how do you stop those two? And, and both are so good offensively, and Jokic and James, they can both attack the switch, they can both pass to another teammate. I mean, you know, I think Wood is great, and he definitely has capabilities, but I'm going to lower his expectations a little bit and say, you know what? He's somebody who's going to be their third or fourth most important player. He's not there yet where I think he's going to become their second most important player, which wherever Harden goes, that pick-and-roll threat that will be on that team will already become that second most employer, uh, second most important player along with James. I love Bam, and I, and I love, love the Joker, but, you know, Bam's not – a three-point shooter yet and the joker is not the finisher that christian wood is now he's a much better passer so you could get the hockey assist if you're james with the joker a lot of times and 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 i definitely feel like he's a fantastic three-point shooter much better than christian wood is at this point but um i i guess the combination of three-point shooter and a guy that can finish at the basket christian wood might be the best of any of those guys i, I will say and i think i may be in a minority in this but i think the best Big that James has played with in terms of passing ability is Donatus Mati units. The best big he's played with overall is Clint Capella. Wood has a chance to be both of those for James Harden, depending on how long he stays. Wow, with the Donatus Mati Yunus poll. Good job, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really I really do mean that. I think that he I think Donatus Mati Yunus is probably the most underrated Harden teammate. And if it wasn't for that Detroit trade and, and Mati Yunus coming back, I think Mati Yunus would have still been here on the Rockets team. Him and Harden had great chemistry. One thing that James is really missing in his game is just having a big run triple handoffs with. And dribble handoffs are a completely different play than what you see from a normal pick and roll. Dribble handoffs allow you to easily get into those pick and pop actions. And that's why I do think that if, if Wood stays around with James long enough, that they can possibly get to that point. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to take a combination of skill set to be able to do that. Felt like Donatus Montiunis was a Houston Rocket for like five years before he even played. It seemed like it took forever for him to get him on the floor, but I think it was actually only like a year plus or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, he was he was he was a very very good player, and I, the guy's like 30, 31 years old now. I think that is a what that is a really good like what could have been question, um, you know, potential combination between those two guys for a long time. That's a good one. Let me ask you this, um, since we've decided, I guess you guys are with the Ben Simmons. Um, I, I feel like I'm leaning more towards somebody like a Siakam or Jalen Brown at this point um, with the team, the player, the package and everything like that. But if you're looking at the Rockets this year and, and Ali, I, I want to ask you this because I have not heard Silas discuss this at all. Is there any thought here that John Wall or Boogie Cousins because um, this, I could see it being a big problem because they're playing just about every other day. Are, are those guys going to get some built-in night night offs and they can't be playing every single game with this this really compressed schedule, can they? And coming off, you know, their injuries. Yeah, so they've already kind of started doing that in the last preseason game. We saw the designation of load management for um, Achilles injury and load management for whatever the case was, the case may be. So they're going to have a load management schedule for both of them. I definitely do see the training staff putting together a schedule of which games they'll play and which games they won't. More important, this team is good enough to make the playoffs. You want those both those guys to be healthy for you to make the playoffs and allow them to build a rhythm, not just with the team, but also within their own individual games. So, yes, that will definitely be a thing. What are you working on over with The Athletic? 
Yeah, so, you know, we just you know, finished up a Christian Wood piece, a whole breakdown on what he's going to mean to the team offensively and defensively and what what his potential is on this team. I think the way that they're going to use him, especially in the Porzingis role um, that Kosalas talked about whenever they first signed him, it's going to allow him to play to his strengths and be somebody who can really make an impact. And, you know, it's a budding star in the works as well. Silas is saying he's going to go 10 deep which uh, is a big <laughs> difference from what we saw from Dan Tony. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just curious, who do you like as the, as the 10 guy? Is it Nawaba, Tate, Caboclo? H- how does that play out? Yeah, so I asked, I asked him this question today regarding the secondary unit and who's going to be the backup point guard. And he told me they're going to have a rotation with Eric Gordon. Uh, P- uh, sorry, Eric Gordon, James Harden, and John Wall as the as a rotation with three of them as primary ball handlers. So with that being said, I really do think if you if you put that into perspective, those last two guys in the rotation will be Jay Sean Tate and David Nawaba most likely. But they are very, very high on Sterling Brown. I think Sterling Brown, especially with no Ben McLemore, will get some minutes. Brown is a great point of attack defender. He's really great in press. That's something that they want to work with him on um, in terms of making him an asset in that regard. So I, I think Brown will definitely get some playing time, especially without McLemore kind of built in, you know, a perfect situation for some of those guys, like you mentioned, you know, Nawaba and Brown, because, you know, of, you know, load management, you know, this unique season as we continue to have in the NBA, um, you know, and you're trying to be very, very careful as much as you can with John Wall, and you're trying to play James Harden into shape uh, to start this season. There's going to be a lot of opportunity, I think, for some of those guys to uh, show what they can do. And I think the Rockets would be better for it if we see it uh, more early and often uh, than not. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fun start to the season, I think. And uh, I I can't wait. I can't wait for tip-off tomorrow night. I really, really can't. I mean, as much drama as there has been going on, um, I'm oddly really, really ready for some basketball. I mean, can you imagine, you know, you're in the heart of the NBA season and you've got the NFL playoffs going on as well. It's going to be a (laughs) really fun, unique time again. Yeah, playing off what you just said about Wood, Ali, uh, do you think Boogie is going to play much? Is it going to be closer to like 15 minutes a game to start off with? Or what What do you see him doing at the beginning of this year? And, and how much do you consider him playing? Because, you know, Wood's going to be the starting center. Um, you can you can play Wood at the power forward, but I think Silas likes him more as a center. And I, I assume he's getting at least, you know, 30 minutes a game, something like that. Yeah, I, I think it's going to just be a gradual step up for them. They're definitely going to use small ball at times. We saw that even the preseason. He is still experimenting with lineups. But I do see Boogie at least trying to get 20 minutes a game. He is way too good of a player to not play multiple minutes. He can shoot the basketball at points in time when they're staggering those minutes. He can play, like you said, Wood and Cousins together. I think that's going to be a great thing for them, especially on the board. So Boogie will definitely play a lot. I think you're going to see a lot of Jay Sean Tate as well. He's really, really been impressive. The coaching staff during the preseason, I think he's earning himself a spot um, in the eight to nine man rotation, at least. Good stuff, guys. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, wish all the best for your family. And, and uh, just uh, hopefully uh, the Rockets can make it interesting this season. It seems like I'm going to be rooting for Harden to go, but maybe you guys want him to stick around for a little bit longer. <laughs> I, just, I just said the Rockets need to be patient. You know, the guy's uh, wearing me thin. <laughs> you know, look, I, I, you and I, Robert, look, we're all three big time sport fans. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a big time sports fan. 
maybe probably just not basketball. You want to like the players on the team that you root for. And James Harden has made it very, very difficult um, to like him, to root for him, for your Houston Rockets. Um, It's just that simple for me. Um, If he wants out, I say don't let the door hit you in the ass. But if you're the Rockets, you need to wait, be patient, find the best possible deal for your organization going forward. For the city, they deserve it. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, man. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.